Today's read, Akata Witch, written by Nedi Okorafor, Chapter 10, Facing Reality. Sonny spent the next month deep in all kinds of books. She was doing homework for two schools, but somehow she was keeping up and managing enough sleep. She'd read Fast Facts for Free Agents cover to cover twice. She practiced basic jujus and her skill of becoming invisible. She even perfected bringing forth and pulling back her spirit face. She moved on to her two new books from Leopard Knox. The insibity one really caught her interest. Her eyes adjusted quickly to the wiggling, gesturing, animated black symbols. Soon, she could actually see that they were trying to say things. For example, a symbol that looked like a stick figure of an intense man standing and punching his fist in the air meant, This is all mine. The figure was placed in the front cover of the book and next to it, she neatly wrote her name. But understanding what was written in the book was coming slowly. Each symbol spoke a complex idea and the slightest change in the symbol shifted its meaning and the book expected her to learn the language and then read and understand what sugar cream had written using the language she was only able to decipher the first third of the first page and that page mostly told her why most people wouldn't be able to read the book this text won't be a bestseller the book said at least that's what Sunny thought it said. She also read well into her advanced Juju Knife Juju's book, though the subject was way over her head. She didn't even have a Juju Knife, and every charm had some crazy warning or side effect like heart failure, brain aneurysms, cancer, venereal disease, itchy rashes, terrible luck, insanity, and most often, death. Her mother seemed pleased with the fresh look Sunny suddenly had and the happiness that radiated from her. Her father, on the other hand, avoided her. Maybe he sensed the change in her most. Her brothers actually began to talk to her. They played more soccer after dark. Several times, she even joined them in their room to watch movies on their computer. It was a warm Monday morning. She woke up bleary-eyed, but smiling. She had gone to bed very late. Something had clicked in her brain last night as she understood the NCBD book's language a lot better. In those late hours, she'd read a full page. She rubbed the crust from her eyes, sighing loudly. It was going to be a long day. She reached for the newspaper on her lap. She got one every morning now. She never heard or saw anything. It would just be there when she woke. She unrolled it and just like that, the glowing euphoria she'd been experiencing for a month died. Oh no, she whispered. The headline read, Otokoto, the black hat, strikes again. A boy of seven had been taken in the market. He was found the next day with his ears cut off unable to properly hear even the loudest noise. Sunny threw the paper across the room. Her legs shook as she got up and retrieved the front page. She pressed her lips together as she read the whole story. 
the boy had stumbled into someone's home babbling about how angels had saved him. The poor boy, she thought. Why do I feel like it's my fault? It's not as if I can do anything. But some very intelligent people believed she and the others could. She quickly dressed for school. She had to wait until lunch break to talk to Olu about it. You read the paper? Olu asked. Yeah. They were quiet. What did Sasha say? She finally asked. I won't repeat his words. He was really angry. I felt more guilty than angry, she said. Yeah. Have you seen Chi-Chi? I went to see her this morning, he said. She is usually up doing something, reading. Her mother told me she'd gone for a walk after reading the paper. Maybe she went to see Anatov. Sasha sent a message to Kehinde. Taiwo's Miri Bird gave my mother a note for me. It said to sit tight. They barely ate their lunches, even when they both received high marks on their essays in literature and writing class. They were grim. So, when they were both leaving school, Angie Baku roughly pushed Sunny aside as she passed, followed by Calculus, Periwinkle, and a few others, there was bound to be trouble. Hey, cut it out! Sunny screeched, running up and pushing Jibaku back. She felt the blood rush to her head. Just then, a beat-up car full of older teenage boys pulled up in front of the school. Jibaku, the driver called. Sunny and Jibaku turned around. The boys got out of the car and swaggered into the schoolyard in their baggy jeans and t-shirts. Loud hip-hop blasted from their shabby vehicle. Sunny wanted to laugh hard. They were trying way too hard to mimic black American culture. The driver pointed at Olu. I know you. So what? Olu snapped, looking annoyed. Jibako and Sunny turned back to each other. Don't touch me with your diseased hands, you freak, Jibako said. Oh, you what, eh? I see Peppa O, the driver said to his friends, laughing. This all ye boy's trouble, he laughed harder. Jibako, let's go. Olu tried to pull Sunny back. She snatched her arm away. No, she said. I'm not afraid of this idiot. Jibaku instantly whirled around and launched herself at Sunny. Sunny shoved her back and threw a punch. She had two crazy brothers and knew how to fight. And Jibaku had it coming. Jibaku screeched, clasping her eye. She came at Sunny again. Suddenly they were both on the ground, rolling in the dust, kicking and punching and scratching. Sunny was a hurricane of rage, only vaguely aware of Olu and the boys exchanging angry words. A crowd gathered. She didn't care. She rolled on top of Jibako and slapped her face as hard as she could. Hands locked around her arms. Calculus and Periwinkle were dragging her off. This gave Jibako a chance to kick Sunny in the belly, knocking the air out of her. The unfairness of the situation really made her see red. She screamed and wrenched her arms from Periwinkle and Calculus. She was on Jibako again, pressing her to the ground. She reveled in the fear on Jibako's face. You try and beat me again, Sunny said breathlessly. Remember this the next time you think about it. Without a thought, she brought forth her spirit face. Rah! she roared. Jibaku screamed so loudly that everyone, including the boys, came running. Immediately, Sunny retracted her spirit face and stood. Jibaku scrabbled away from Sunny into the guy's arms, her eyes wide and wild. 
She started crying, burying her face in the guy's chest. He pointed a finger at Olu and Sonny, deepening his voice for emphasis. He said, You see me again, and you go see plenty hot pepper. Olu and Sonny watched them all pile into the car and drive off. Come on, Olu said, before the teachers come. They walked slowly, Sonny limping a little. Her knees were scraped and she'd bruised her arm. You showed her your spirit face, didn't you? Olu said. Shut up. A blue Mercedes pulled up beside them. The window came down. Sonny Noazwe? The woman behind the wheel asked. She wore a green head wrap, dark sunglasses and black lipstick. Who are, are you Sonny Noazwe? Yes, she said. Get in. You're to be taken to the Obi Library for punishment. But she didn't mean to, Olu begged. She's a free agent, just introduced weeks ago. She didn't work juju on anyone. She just... Get in, Sunny Nuazwe, the woman repeated. Sunny looked at Olu. Go, he said. God, that was so stupid, Sunny. What's going to happen, she whispered. I don't know, he snapped. He cursed to himself and then said, Go in. The woman drove in silence. From the back window, Sunny waved sadly at Olu. He just looked at her. She slumped in her seat and took out her cell phone. No reason to get in trouble twice, she grumbled. Her mother answered. Dr. Noazwe speaking. Hi, Mama, she said. Hi, sweetie. Everything okay? Um, yeah, she said, looking tentatively at the driver. How was school? Fine, she said, lowering her voice. I got an A on my math exam. And I got an A on my essay in literature and writing class. Wonderful. Mama, can I have dinner with Chi-Chi and Olu tonight? She held her breath. The family rarely had dinner together, but her mother liked her and her brothers to be in the house by nighttime. There was a pause. As long as you all study too, she finally said. Sunny breathed a sigh of relief. She hated lying. Be back by seven. Anyway, it's going to be a late day for both myself and your father. Sunny put her cell phone in her purse. Excuse me, she said to the woman. She looked at Sunny in the rearview mirror. Will, will they throw me in jail or something? She asked. I can't discuss that with you, the woman said in a flat voice. Sunny sat back and looked out the window. The monotony of the drive and the hum of the car were soothing. Soon, she dozed off. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Get out. Sunny slowly opened her eyes. They were parked outside of the OB library. There must have been a way in wider than a tree bridge. Someone will meet you inside. The moment Sunny got out, the woman drove off, leaving her alone in Leopard Knox for the first time. There were people going in and out of the library on the street. She saw a group of kids about her age walking toward Taiwu's hut. 
They saw her and waved. She waved back. Then she turned to the library. A cobblestone trail led through the wildly growing grass to the main entrance. As with almost every leopard building, there was no door, only a silky lavender cloth. She pushed it aside and stepped in. Books and papers were stacked and piled in corners, set in bookcases as high as the ceiling, scattered on and around clusters of chairs. It was all very untidy and disorganized, and the air had a stale paper odor. People read, talked, wrote, and even performed acts of juju. A man, standing in a corner with a book in his hand, shouted something and threw some powder up in the air. Poof! A burst of brown moths. He coughed and cursed and threw the book on the floor. An old woman sat beside a bookcase, surrounded by children. She snapped her fingers and all the children floated inches from the ground. They giggled, trying to make themselves go higher by pumping their legs. In the center of the large, busy room was a round table with a silver sign hovering in midair above it. In large black letters, the sign read, Wetin, which meant, What is it? in Pigeon English. A youngish man with Yoruba tribal markings on his cheeks sat beside the desk behind the desk. Hello, she said nervously. I'm Sunny Nwazwe, he said. Breaker of rule number 48. Such a primary rule, he called behind her. Samya? Eh? came a voice from behind a bookcase. A woman with long braids, red plastic glasses, and reddish-brown skin peeked around it. Sonny's here, he said. Take her up. Samia looked Sonny over and then said, Come, this way. They took the staircase beside the wetting desk. The second floor was larger with more bookcases and stacks of paper. The people here were older. Sonny wanted to slap herself. Her first look at the Orbe Library University was basically as a criminal. A haunted moaning came from somewhere on the other side of the floor. Thankfully, they went up another flight of stairs. The third floor had more books and classrooms too, but she was too nervous to really pay attention. Please, what is going to happen to me? Can't talk about it. It looked like they were going up another staircase. Instead, Samya led her to perhaps the first actual door Sunny had seen in Leopard Knox. It was heavy painted black and decorated with a white drawing like those on the outer walls of the library. Samya knocked on the door. Stay here until you're asked to enter, she said. Then she left. Five minutes passed. Man, I wish the door would open, she thought. Anything to get away from the sounds in the hallway, the moans and wheezy hysterical laughter and whispers like some confused ghost. A large brown bird flew by, and red spiders scurried across the high ceiling. She even felt a blast of warm, wet air pass. Someone was moving invisibly. She considered sitting on the floor, but more red spiders were scurrying about there. Another ten minutes passed. Frustrated, she finally tried the door. The knob turned easily. She held her breath and pushed. She peeked in. Sitting... On a solid bronze chair was a dark-skinned old woman dressed in a cream-colored 
boba and matching pants. She was slightly hunched to the side and looked uncomfortable. Oh, I I'm sorry, Sunny said, retreating. Come in. Only those who want to come in are allowed in. She stood before the woman. Dozens of masquerade masks covered the walls, hanging close to one another. Some looked angry with mouths full of teeth. Others were fat-cheeked and comical, sticking their tongues out. So I could have just turned and left? Maybe, the woman said, but you're in here now. The door closed. Sit on the floor, the woman said. You don't deserve a chair. Sonny looked at the floor, spotting two more red spiders a few feet away. Slowly, she sat down, drawing her legs in close. I'm sorry for what I did, she quickly said. Are you? Yeah. Then she caught herself. No. So, you'd do it again if given a chance to redo the incident. Sonny thought about it for a moment. The mere thought of Jibako angered her. She knew her answer. She kept her mouth shut. You'll be flogged then, the woman said. She gasped and shook her head. Or, I'll have you put into the library basement with no lights, the woman said. Things roam down there that would scare some sense into you. Please, she begged, tears coming to her eyes. The woman nodded. Yes, I will do that. Samya? Please, Sonny screeched. I'm sorry. I understand now. Please. The woman looked down her nose at Sonny irritably, flaring her nostrils. You're a free agent, she said, her voice softening. Yes, Sonny said. I just... The council always knows when something like this happens. When prime rules are broken. Didn't you read that in your free agent book? Sunny slowly nodded with her eyes on the ground. Next time, I'll have you brought right to this office and flogged 30 times and then thrown in the dirtiest, dampest, oldest room in the library basement where you'll stay for a week with nothing but watered gari to eat. You hear me? Sunny swallowed and said yes. I won't tolerate stupid behavior, the woman said angrily. I understand, she said. Do you? Yes, she said. She was shaking. Next time, fight fair, she said. From what I've heard, your brothers have shown you how to do that. Yeah, she said. Her heart was slamming about in her chest. The woman looked her over. So, how has it been? Huh? Sunny was trying not to hyperventilate. Since you've come into Leopard World. Before today or since this happened? It's not a safe world, she said. You can't go around doing whatever you like. Some of us behave like that, but it's not proper. It's not what I expect of you. She sat back and shifted her position, but... She still looked hunched to the side. Anatov has told me of you, she said. I didn't think I'd be meeting you this way. Sonny cocked her head and then said, You're sugar cream, aren't you? Finally, you ask. 
Sorry, she said. She paused. Yes, I was stupid. It's just that I wanted to put the fear of of God into her. She paused, clenching her fists. I can't stand her. Well, that certainly is one way to do it, Sugar Cream said, albeit illegal. A spider was walking towards Sunny's foot. She scooted back. She was more afraid of Sugar Cream when there was silence, so she asked the first question on her exhausted mind. So, uh, why do they call you Sugar Cream? Sugar Cream smiled and Sunny relaxed a bit. An old story, she said. When I was very small, I walked out of the forest. A young man found me. I was like a little monkey, wild and feral. Some people think that actual monkeys might have even looked after me for a while. Somehow, I survived in the bush. I couldn't have been over three years old. Anyway, the only way I would come to the man who found me was when he offered me his cup of tea, which he'd put a lot of sugar and cream into. He took me to his home and raised me as his daughter, even though he was only 17 years old. He grew up to be a professor at the University of Lagos, and I went on to the Obi Library. A lot of holes in that story, Sonny thought. What of your true parents? To this day, I don't know, Sonny, she said. She stood up and stretched, raising her arms over her head. Sonny stared. The woman's spine. It wasn't right. But from the front, she couldn't tell exactly what was wrong. She quickly lowered her eyes. I hate sitting for too long, she said. It's uncomfortable. Even with this hard, sturdy chair. Walk with me. Sunny quickly followed her out. She couldn't help staring at Sugar Cream's back. One shoulder was higher than the other, and her spine curved in a most profound S. Had she been like this as a baby? Maybe this was why her parents had abandoned her. But if they were leopard people, they'd have jumped for joy at this deformity. You should know how it is, Sugar Cream said, turning to her. When people stare at you from behind, you always know when they're doing it. Sunny stepped back. I I didn't mean to. I have severe scoliosis, and no, I was not born this way, and I don't think I was abandoned by my parents. I think they were killed. Despite her deformity, Sugar Cream walked briskly. She greeted the students they passed by. Good afternoon, Oga, an old white man with a British accent shyly said. Good afternoon, Albert, she said. When they were alone again, Sunny asked, what she'd wanted to ask since Sugar Cream had stood up. I was wondering, what ability do you have? I'm a shapeshifter as you are. No, I'm not, Sunny said. She froze. She froze, mortified by her rudeness. Can you not turn yourself into something like warm vapor? You're a type of shapeshifter. I can become a snake, she said, making her hand move in an S motion. My ability is a physical manifestation. Yours is spiritual. The reason you can become vapor is because you can step into the spirit world, literally. I doubt you've done this yet. You'd know it if you had. 
How do I? Only when you want to, she said. To enter the spirit world completely, you have to die. So, for you to do it, you have to die a little. She paused and looked at Sonny. Would you like to learn? I don't, I don't know, she said uneasily. Not really. Who would want to learn how to die? They passed a group of students who cautiously greeted Sugar Cream. The students you see here are the most advanced, she said. All who make it here will most likely pass Indibu, the third level. Most likely none will pass Oku Akama, the highest level. It's been years since anyone has. They passed some tall shelves and piles of books. How does the library keep track of all the books, Sunny asked. A lot of them seem... She trailed off. She wanted to say thrown about. Sugar Cream laughed. Don't be fooled. All books here are accounted for. They are marked. When they need to be found, they will be. How? Depends on who wants to find it, she said. They went back to her office where she sat on the arm of her bronze chair. Sunny remained standing. Anatov was going to send you here in two weeks. I was going to decide whether or not I would mentor you. Now that you've behaved so stupidly, my decision is harder. I need to think about it. Sonny's heart sank. It didn't matter that she had avoided being whipped or thrown in the library basement. Chichi or Lou and even Sasha, who never missed a chance to make trouble, had mentors. For them, it had been so simple and obvious. Her path to anything seemed to always be difficult, and she hated how everyone was acting acting as if she should know the rules so well. It was ridiculous. Couldn't Sugar Cream cut her some slack? You chose to do what you did, Sugar Cream said, so don't stand there angry at me. For me to mentor you would be a great honor, an honor reserved for a mature girl or boy. You'd be the one and only student I mentor. Your case is complicated, she sighed, but you most certainly should be involved in this. I have no doubt about that. How are you so sure, she asked. Inside, she was crying. I mean, you see how I am, what I did, and you're rethinking wanting to mentor me. How are you so sure I should even be a part of this Oha Coven group thing? Sugar Cream shook her head, a sad look on her face. I was hoping you wouldn't ask. Sunny waited for her to go on. Listen, it was your grandmother, Ozoe Mena, who taught Otokoto all he knows. She was his mentor. And it was Otokoto who killed your grandmother in a ritual to steal her abilities as he stole her life. You want to know why he is so powerful? All you need to look at is who your grandmother was and who Otokoto was before he became the infamous Black Hat. Sunny had no words. Yes, she said. So, you see why this is complicated.
Soon after that, Sugar Cream sent Sunny home. Sunny remembered saying goodbye and feeling even more like a criminal. She'd walked down the stairs and felt like a criminal. And she got into the council car feeling like a criminal. She felt unworthy, childish, stupid, and worthless. On top of all this, she was the granddaughter of the scholar who taught a murderous psychopath. Her guilt tired her out so much that she slept the entire drive home. She spent much of that evening in her room, staring off into space, thinking and thinking about all Sugar Cream told her. She still had homework to do, but by 11 p.m., she'd fallen asleep on her books. Sunny heard knocking. She thought she was dreaming. When it didn't stop, she swam up to wakefulness and groggily opened her eyes. Aside from her reading lamp, her room was dark. Then she saw a tiny light at the window. She froze, her brain for some reason going all the way back to when she was two and burning up from malaria. The light watched over me. She blinked, fully waking up. It was the light of a firefly. She slowly opened the window. Sasha, Orlu, and Chi-Chi stood below. Come down, Orlu whispered loudly. Meet us outside the gate. She quickly dressed, then made herself invisible and swooped out of the window. When she emerged from the gate, Chi-Chi threw her arms around her. You're all right, she said happily. I heard you beat the hell out of Jibaku. You okay? Sasha asked. Yeah, Sunny said. We were worried. Olu said. You didn't sound like it when they took me away, Sunny said annoyed. Why do you have to do it, Olu said. You should, who cares, she said. And you know why, anyway. You, of all people. I was about to fight Jibaku's boyfriend, Olu said. He's three years older than me and bigger, but I still wouldn't have done what you did. She sighed loudly, rolling her eyes. I had to see the council once, too, Sasha said, putting his arm around Sunny. Back when I set that masquerade on those guys harassing my sister, he paused. I was caned 20 times and then ordered to be sent here. You were actually caned, Chichi asked, looking shocked. I have the scars to show for it, Sasha said coldly. He met Olu's eyes and then turned to Sunny. I never expected you to get in my kind of trouble. I just lost it, I guess. So what happened? Chichi asked. After she told them everything, including the part about her grandmother, they were all quiet. Then Chichi said, Your grandmother would have been the one to bring you in if she'd have lived. He must have eaten some of her flesh, Sasha said. That's the only Chichi angrily shushed him. She doesn't need to know that. Sunny felt ill. Chi-Chi pushed Sasha away and put her arm around Sunny's shoulder. Sunny, try to find out more about your grandmother, Olu said. If they know about your grandmother's abilities, then we'll know that much more about Black Hat. Yeah, she said quietly. Sugar cream is tough, Olu said. I know, she said. If she doesn't come around, I'm sure Anatav will find someone else to mentor you, Chi-Chi said. This was not a consolation. She 
wanted sugar cream. But she did feel better. Her grandmother was no criminal. She'd only been the teacher of a student gone bad. Still, by the time she was back in her room, she wanted to cry again. She couldn't get Black Hat out of her head. As she went to turn off the light, she saw the red ghost hopper standing on the post of her bed. You just have to sit yourself there, don't you? She said. It just looked at her with its huge compound orange eyes. She turned off the light. As she closed her eyes, she heard a soft, wavery singing like a tiny dove who was using its voice to more than coo. It was lovely. You could do a lot worse than a ghost hopper. Some people would love to have those, Olu had said. And now, Sunny understood why. She settled down and let it sing her to sleep.